I'm Sean Delaney, and you're listening to What Got You There. What Got You There is a must-follow for entrepreneurs, creatives, high achievers, and change makers. Each week, I sit down with some of the world's most influential people and focus on the journey behind their success. We uncover the strategy, tactics, and routines that help them get there. Now it's your journey, so it's time to learn what's going to get you there. Uh, what got you there? What got you, got you? If you're enjoying the podcast, then you might want to check out some of the other things I'm working on behind the scenes. I put out a weekly newsletter called Momentum Monday, which is just a quick synthesis of everything I've been reading, listening to, and watching during the week. I also do a once-a-month deep dive called The Distillery, which is a long-form distillation on someone whose thinking has greatly impacted me. You can check out past distillations of Josh Waitskin, Yen Liao, and Nick Konis, and everything else we're putting on at whatgotyouthere.com. Today, I sit down with Gina Wickman, who's an author, speaker, teacher, and someone who's been helping entrepreneurs and leaders maximize their freedom, creativity, and impact for years. One of the things he's done that's impacted me is his book, Traction, which was just a game changer for me and my business, and I'm sure many of you are familiar with that book. So Gina's also the founder of EOS Worldwide, and that's an organization that has helped thousands of businesses implement his EOS system, which he talked about in his book, Traction. There's actually over 130,000 companies who use this, so you know it works. But on this episode, we actually talk more about Gino's story and his entrepreneurial journey, which is 30 plus years in the making. And we actually talk about his new book, Entrepreneurial Leap, to uncover if you actually are an entrepreneur. Uh, Because he says there really is a science to this about breaking down if you're one of those people, one of those rare few who are an entrepreneur. But even if you're not, this episode can bring you value because we discuss the different mindsets and strategies they use to help them succeed in their business. So if you're into entrepreneurship and learning more about great businesses and what you need to do to sustain business over time, I think you're going to enjoy this episode with Gino Wickman. I have to tell you about the product I'm obsessed with right now. And when I say obsessed, I mean it. I am honestly obsessed and using this continually. So this is my Brava Smart Oven. So I actually used a Brava at a friend's house a few weeks ago. And after using it, I said, I have to reach out to the team at Brava and bring them on as a partner of the podcast because of how much I love my Brava Smart Oven. So Brava is the world's fastest and most advanced smart oven that cooks with the power of light. So I had no idea about this, but cooking with light is actually two to four times faster than any other cooking technology. So being a busy father with two kids, I need something that's going to cook delicious, healthy meals, is really fast and super convenient. And my Brava checks the box on all three of those. Just last night, I whipped up a mouth-watering salmon. You know, one of the ones with the, the crispy, flaky outside, but then juicy, tender inside. And I also had a side of broccoli and butternut squash. And I cooked this all to perfection at the same time. It doesn't matter if it's breakfast, dinner, dessert. My Brava takes care of it all. So when I said it was fast and convenient, the team at Brava honestly knocked this out of the park. Imagine cooking your entire meal just with the press of a button. All you do is select what you're cooking, load your tray, and press the green button. They have thousands of fully automated recipes created by professional chefs, so your meal is perfect every single time. And a really crazy part, Brava regularly updates with new recipes and cooking modes all for free. There really isn't a more convenient and impressive cooking experience I've ever had. Cook crispy, bubbly pizza in 10 minutes, eggs and toast at the same time, You can even do a tray of roasted potatoes in 15 minutes, all with zero preheating. And one really fun thing, my my kids love watching this, is you can actually watch your food cook on the Brava app, which is just really fun. It's like having an automated sous chef right at your side. 
So if you want to start having healthier, better meals, check out brava.com and make sure to enter code what got you there at checkoff for $200 off. Yes, $200 off. That's www.brava.com and at checkout enter code what got you there. If you're someone who's looking to join a hypergrowth company that's global and 100% remote, then you might want to listen up and hear all about the exciting job opportunities at Clipboard Health. Most of us have known someone who never got the health care they needed. You know, one of those people who fell through the cracks. That's because America's hospitals are short-staffed. They don't have enough nurses, so patients don't get the care they deserve. I've personally had family members not get the care they deserve, which is why I appreciate and care so much about what Clipboard Health is doing. Clipboard Health matches nurses with hospitals and nursing homes so that patients get the care they need and nurses find the work they want. Clipboard Health is fixing a broken healthcare staffing marketplace, and they're also scaling a hyper-growth business at the exact same time. Clipboard Health is a Silicon Valley unicorn, and they're looking for people to join their mission to fix staffing in healthcare and give nurses more opportunities. Clipboard Health is looking for great software engineers, product managers, and operations leaders to join them today. They're global, and remember, they're 100% remote, so no matter where you live in the U.S. or the world, they want to talk to you. You can check out great opportunities at clipboardhealth.com forward slash WGYT. That's clipboardhealth.com forward slash WGYT. Are you looking for a delicious and healthy nutrition bar that is keto-friendly, low-sugar, and protein-infused? If so, look no further than New School Snacks, who's reinventing the low-sugar snacking revolution. Now, for me, health is one of the biggest things I think about, and eliminating the sugar from my diet is crucial, and that's why I love New School Snacks. So if you're one of those people who also want to change the way you approach nutrition and snacking, then head to NewSchoolSnacks.com for great deals on their collagen bar loaded with healthy fats from MCT oil, and while you're there, pick up one of their brand new mouth-watering French Toast Crunch Bars. That's NewSchoolSnacks.com. Gino, welcome to What Got You There. How are you doing today? Great. Great to be here, Sean. Looking forward to this. I'm very much looking forward to this. I'd actually like to begin with a quote by Marianne Williamson that that we both like and admire. And it's, our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that frightens us. I would love to know and just hear you unpack that quote and what it means to you. So that's interesting. And I don't know if you're pulling that from any of my work, but that to me, is probably one of my top 10 favorite quotes. And I cannot tell you how many people I have sent that to. So, so you know, so what it means to me is, you know, it's like we're going to kind of begin at the end here because my wish for all beings walking the earth is to let your freak flag fly, okay? And so all of my work is around, you know, all the way from – helping someone who thinks they're an entrepreneur all the way to helping them to live their optimal life. Well, the end game is where you are freely being you in all of your glory, no holds barred. And so that's what that quote says. And, and, and it's hard work. You know, we, we came out of the womb perfect and somewhere between then and where we are now, something, someone, whatever screwed us up and we've got a lot of stuff to shed and, and just kind of really connect and be what our souls want us to be. And so that's what that quote says to me is just fully being you and 
why you were put on the face of this earth. That's awesome. Yeah, the way I think about it, I, I'm always trying to get to a place of unobstructed, authentic self-expression where it's like, this is me fully expressed. And I was just having a conversation with a friend about this. It's like, if you look at the no, notable, let's call them entrepreneurs, investors, athletes, coaches, it doesn't matter. It's like they have their different style a lot of times, but that authentic self is coming through. So I just love hearing that. That quote really resonates deeply with me. You, you mentioned some of the things you've gotten to learn across your path, and you've been through a lot, and you've accomplished a hell of a lot. You've got, you've got the scars and the victories to, to really show what you've been able to do. And I'm wondering, during that entire journey, has there been a mindset of yours that has just been foundational for you to overcome those obstacles and those challenges? Mm. Oh, I want to say there's a bunch of them. <laughs> so I'm kind of. I mean, if you want to riff on a few, uh, I'm just in curious. Yeah. I'm curious, like what encapsulates Gino? Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, so, so there there are a few of them, and I'm just trying to narrow it down to like the top one, two, or three. But you know, certainly one mindset is is I I truly do. I'm going to give you a bunch of words, you know, want to be great, want to be excellent, want to master my craft, want to, you know, I want to excel in what I do, you know, so it's so, so greatness is really important to me, but excellence is probably the perfect word because, you know, I'm always trying to better my best. Another one is, is just serving. I'm so obsessed about creating value for people, you know, so I, my life is entrepreneurs and I obsess about helping entrepreneurs live their ideal life and ultimately their optimal life. And so um, it's, it's a constant focus on that target market and, and where they have needs and making sure I'm providing maximum value. And so that's another thing that's always rolling around in my brain. Um, and then maybe this is part of the first one, but just a fanatic about growth. You know, I just, I just never, I never want to stop growing. You know, I'm just constantly working on myself, working on my businesses. Uh, so anyway, so there's, there's some rambling for you. No, no, no. I, th I think we got a, a great encapsulation uh, of what yeah. really makes you up. I I'm really intrigued though. You, you mentioned like in service of others, and I'm wondering how this parallel journey goes for you with your own personal growth and development. And when you kind of got to that inflection point, and maybe there was an inflection point, maybe this was part of the process all along, where this is, you know what, I'm developing myself so I can better serve others. Was that always the case for you or did that come later? I think it came later, you know, so that the the, the first three things I started with, I think were always there. In other words, you know, it's this, this whole servant mentality and this wanting to add value. You know, I, I feel like I've always kind of been a teacher at heart, you know, and so every time I learn something, I want to teach it to the world. So um, regardless of to the degree I was suffering and didn't fully, you know, become myself, I was still, you know, teaching people, adding value, doing things. And, you know, I'm, God only knows how close I am to fully living for my soul. If I really knew it, I'd be depressed because it's probably like 5%, but I feel like the growth has been so incredible. And whether I'm halfway there or 95% of the way there or 2% of the way there, I'm always a work in progress. You know, it's always just when I kind of start thinking I've got it figured out, there's more stuff to work on or, you know, more to get better at, more to shed, things like that. So I don't know if that answers your question, but it's not like I waited around till I was perfect to start helping people. So it's that, that, 
That uh, I would have lost a lot of time if I took that approach. Well, there's there's no perfect answers to any of this. There's so much complexity in life, and I hope we actually hit on diving into the unknown here here a little bit later. But it, sure. it's just fascinating to know that the work that you've done because you actually start off your book Entrepreneurial Leap with a chapter Know Thyself, and I think this is just so fundamental. Like the deeper reflection, really truly understanding you a bit more. I would love to know why did you decide to include that as a chapter in the book Entrepreneurial Leap. Yeah, it's so interesting you choose that one because, um, you know, that's obviously what we've been talking about. And, and, and I'm, there's two thoughts I'm having. You know, I, I put it in this book, Entrepreneurial Leap, and I published this book uh, almost three years ago. And it is a passion project of mine. But what I'm realizing now is I look at my 30 years of history and three decades, decades of helping entrepreneurs, I've been leaving these breadcrumbs around um, these disciplines that I live by. And, and there's a new project, a new book called 10 Disciplines for Managing and Maximizing Your Energy. And we're not necessarily going there, but one of the 10 disciplines is know thyself. And so I want to pull those two pieces together because I certainly left that breadcrumb here. I included it in the 10 disciplines because this gets to my point about people just letting their freak flag fly. And what I believe is, you know, so the discipline is to know thyself, but the secret is I'm trying to get you to be yourself, but you can't be yourself until you know thyself. And so it's this journey of self-discovery. And like I call it peeling layers till you really get to who you truly are at your soul. But it's, but that's what is it is about is getting to know yourself. And, and this is all the good and bad stuff, all the strengths and weaknesses, all the stuff that's good about you and not so good about you. You know, I'm a, I'm a control freak. I'm impatient. You know, there's things about me that I'm just not perfect. I am aware of them. I temper them. I give people in my life permission to laugh at them with me. So I, I make fun of it. But certainly all of my strengths, I capitalize, maximize, focus on. And then I do everything to be aware of my weaknesses and the things that are not so good about me. Some of these things I cannot get rid of, but they are a part of me. But all of those things, you add them all up. And that is just simply who I am. And I want to be that. Uh, every minute of every day. And then one little quick story that may make sense for some people out there listening. And that is, you know, this, I got my aha around this when I was 30 years old and my wife threw a surprise birthday party for me. And I walk into this room and I, and I hear a hundred sets of eyeballs yell surprise. And I looked at these hundred sets of eyeballs and I realized that six factions of my life were in that room. So there were my high school buddies there were my new friends, there were my business partners, there were my employees, there was my family, and there was my wife's family. And I looked around the room and I said, holy crap, I realize I'm different with every faction. I said, who am I going to be today? And it was an aha moment about the energy I was burning, trying to bend myself to be what I need to be for all these different factions. And it was that day that I said, I am just going to be me going forward. And that's when I really started this journey of self-discovery to really know myself and just be myself. That point you just hit on there about the energy you were burning, trying trying to like think how you were going to react in those situations. It doesn't allow your best self to come forward. So I think that's just such a crucial point. It's basically like you're not allowed to maximize your potential because you're being held back by that. But one thing I have to know, like you're the true expert on this. I mean, worked with 20,000 plus individual entrepreneurs and hundreds of thousands of companies talking about strengths and weaknesses there. You said, yes, you've got to maximize those strengths. How should a young entrepreneur approach 
focusing on strengths, but then also understanding their weaknesses. Like, are they over leveraging strengths or is it, I need to repair my weaknesses here? Well, I think the biggest message is please don't ever try to turn a weakness into a strength. In other words, when you look at ROI, time invested, you're much better off capitalizing on your strengths and focusing on those strengths. And then, like I said, just being aware of your weaknesses, you know, hire people around your weaknesses that are great at doing the things that are not, that you are not good at, but also in terms of your weaknesses, just, just be aware of them, laugh at them, have fun with them. So again, they're not draining your energy so that your energy is high. And so it's all about just being aware of them, delegating them where you can and focus on the strengths. Do not focus on making a weakness, a strength. It's utterly impossible. And that's really helpful. One of the things you've said again and again, even in the short amount of time we've been talking, is just the ability to have fun in certain scenarios. And it just seems to me like this is something that you hit on again and again. I'd love to just hear you unpack that. Yeah, but, but re-ask that question because when you say fun, I, I get where you might be going there. I don't recall saying fun. So just give me, re-ask that in a way that I understand exactly what your point is there. Yeah, it, it almost seems like even when we were talking about know thyself, like it's about allowing your freak flag to fly and like really allow, like let's enjoy this process, right? Like we're gonna be we're gonna be here one time. We might as well enjoy this freaking process. So it just seems like that's something you operate from. But so many yeah. people I've been around, especially in the entrepreneurial world, it's oh man, like I've got a battle with the, with these suppliers, these costs, like it's a battle. And I'm like, you've dealt with this for thirty plus years, hundreds of thousands of companies. And yeah. here you are and you're like, yeah, let's make this process more enjoyable. Yeah, so that, that prompts a couple things, okay? And so um, I wanna create a little bit of context for your audience because you know I can tell you and I may bounce around between all the content. And I think it's a good thing because your audience is interesting to me and they're what I call racehorses, okay? And so my audience is typically entrepreneurs. And again, I'm helping entrepreneurs build great companies, get everything they want from their businesses. And this, this, this new project I talk about, 10 Disciplines for Managing and Maximizing Your Energy, I, I say it's for racehorses because it's for everybody. But when I say racehorses, it's people who have the basics of life down. So these are driven people that you know eat relatively well, get enough sleep, exercise, and they have work ethic. So they're relatively successful and typically six-figure earners and beyond or want to earn six figures. And so to your point, these are driven people. And again, to touch on and create context around all the content, there's Entrepreneurial Leap, which is the book that we're talking about in this podcast, among other content. Then there's Rocket Fuel, which is the concept of an entrepreneur, visionary, finding their integrator, perfect match to build the company to the next level. Then there's EOS, a system I created that I wrote in a book called Traction. And then there's the EOS Life to help an entrepreneur and their people live their ideal life. And then the 10 disciplines I mentioned. When you ask the question you ask, it both audiences come to my mind from a standpoint of in the entrepreneurial leap content, that is for someone who thinks they're an entrepreneur or just took the entrepreneurial leap and they're scratching their head thinking about, am I an entrepreneur? And if so, how do I become successful? Well, in that content, I believe very strongly a true entrepreneur has six essential traits, visionary, passionate, problem solver, driven, risk taker, and responsible. And you are born with these traits or you're not. It is DNA genetic encoding. And there's an assessment you can take on the website, e-leap.com. And if you score 90 or higher, odds are you have these traits and you're an entrepreneur in the making. I say all of that, again, long answer to your question, because 
The reason it's so exciting to us to deal with all of these issues is we are wired for a little bit of chaos. We love solving problems, you know. So again, when you look at those six essential traits, one of them is problem solver. We just let, we lean into problems. And so where most of the world runs from problems, we run toward problems. We love it. We get energy by solving problems. And so it doesn't make you good or bad, whether you love solving problems or not. It just says, if you don't, being an entrepreneur is probably not for you. And so we just kind of thrive on that. And I always like to say, you know, every leader out there growing a business you're going to have six issues a day to solve. It's the nature of the beast. Some are really big, some are really small, but six a day. And you got to love solving six problems a day. And that is exhausting. And let's go back to energy, energy draining for most people on the planet. For an entrepreneur, for somebody with these six essential traits, it's energizing. I mean, we get a buzz out of solving problems. Oh, I love that. You said we're going to jump around. We, we've got two visionaries here on the, and I'm saying that based on your online assessment. Um, yes. Oh, yeah. Visionary yes, yes. versus integrator here. So yeah, we might be bouncing around. The, the listeners <laughs> are, are very familiar with that. And you, yeah, you know your audience. Yeah, so if yeah. they can handle it, take me wherever you want to take me. And, and don't worry, we're going to have the uh, entrepreneur assessment linked up as well. It was funny. I retook it again this morning. So finished with a, with a 91. So I, I definitely want to dive into some of these in a bit, but I would love to know, like, yeah. when did you discover that, you know what? Yeah, me, Gino, I'm an entrepreneur. When did that click for yeah, you? So it's, it, yeah, so it's really interesting. Um, there's a quote by Daniel Kennedy that says, we teach what we needed the most, okay? And that's why I wrote Entrepreneur Elite because I'm teaching my 18-year-old self. So I discovered I was an entrepreneur at 29. I, at 18 years old, graduating high school with a 2.3 GPA and did not go to college because the last thing I ever wanted to do was spend another day in academia, I was an entrepreneur in the making and I was lost. I was scared. I was insecure. I was a mislabeled derelict. I didn't know what I was. And I just went to work because I knew I wanted to make money. And I had this very messy decade in my 20s. I ultimately took over a family business, did a big turnaround, armed with amazing mentors and a fanatic for learning. But from 18 to 29, it was just this messy period that I didn't know what I was. At 29, when I realized that, oh my God, it was transformative. My point in all of that is I lost 11 years of clarity. So I discovered at 29, I wrote this book, Entrepreneur Leap, for anyone who is like I was at 18. So 13 to 113, that's the age that this book is written for. If you feel that way, you are different than 96% of the planet and you feel out of place and out of sorts and confused, you are an entrepreneur in the making. And this book is designed to help you realize why you are here and then go forward and live the life you were born to live. Yeah, awareness is such a, a key factor here. You mentioned clarity there. I, I wouldn't even say only for yourself. It's also like there's other people in your lives. And when you can better understand, maybe maybe you have a child at home who has that entrepreneurial mindset and, and you might be not quite the entrepreneur there. It's helpful in understanding so you can work better with the people, the relationships you have in your life. So I actually found the book extremely helpful for that as well. I, I want to hit on, on some of these uh, six essential traits. And I would love to know, are they even across the board? Like if, if you're an entrepreneur and you have these six traits, are, are they in balance or are they completely disproportionate? Imbalance. And unfortunately, you got to have all six. So I get asked that question so often, you know, what if I only have five? They, they are equally weighted and you've got to have all six. So sorry, there's no loopholes here, but there is something that's really important for me to share. 
And that is, I teach something called an entrepreneurial range, which kind of takes the sting off for somebody who scores lower than 90 or is missing a trade. And the entrepreneur range says, if you picture an arc, and on the left side of the arc are the words true entrepreneur, on the left side of the arc are the words self-employed, and obviously we call this the entrepreneurial range. Well, when I talk about the six essential traits in a true entrepreneur, these are people on the right side of that range of that arc. And so if you think about the greatest entrepreneurs of all time, that red line, that range, Elon Musk, Oprah Winfrey, Sarah Blakely, Henry Ford, Walt Disney. And then we go all the way to the left side and people that red line the left side of the range. These are one person shows. These are people that have a side hustle, a freelancer. The point in that is you can still be self-employed and own your own business but you're probably on the left side of the range if you score low. So I always like to say, if you have handy skills, you can go be a handy man, a handy woman, charge 60 bucks an hour, make a hundred grand a year, be busy forever if you're any good. And there's nothing wrong with that. You have total freedom and you're self-employed, but odds are you're not building an organization with lots of people. And then it's varying degrees. So with that said, there are absolutely people that their six essential traits are like so extreme, like an Elon Musk. Me, you know, I'm I'm on the right half of the range, certainly, but I'm on about the 75% mark. I'm no Elon Musk. You know, I like to build companies with 50, 100 people in them, not tens of thousands. That's too big and not fun to me. So we're all different. And so what's important here is if you want to be self-employed and you score low on that sentence, on that assessment, it's not a death sentence. You're probably just more of a one-person show lifestyle business type of a business owner. And there is absolutely no shame in that. No, no, that's really helpful. I think it's going to add a lot of clarity. You, you mentioned a few of those legendary entrepreneurs. When you think of those six essential traits, is there one true legendary entrepreneur that just comes to mind for you that's like, wow, that is the full embodiment of those? Well, I, I mean, my my favorite is probably Walt Disney, but I-, I What about Disney? But then it's like, a, they're all so close in time. Well, for one, the visionary, you know, I mean, he redlined visionary. He was so creative in his thinking, so unique. But, it's, but then I, it feels like it's almost redundant because he's certainly crazy passionate about his thing, you know, so the entrepreneur is always passionate about their product, their service, the dent they want to, they're not passionate in general. You and I are passionate people. This is about passion for the thing you want to create, the dent you want to put in the universe. You know, obviously an incredible problem solver, incredibly driven, uh, huge risk, huge risk taker. You know, when you go buy however many hundreds of th or thousands of acres he bought in Florida with a vision for, I believe it's Disney World, right? I get landed world confused. Um, so, so he stands out as somebody that just redlines it, but so does Elon Musk. So did Henry Ford. And again, some of these are Steve, Steve Jobs is another one. I mean, just incredible. No, no, I, I love hearing just your perspective and, and your thoughts and what comes to mind for you. One of the things I'm so intrigued by though, is, is you mentioned that you personally aren't one of those entrepreneurs who wants to have thousands and thousands of people. And you actually ended up selling your company at a time where, where were you around? It was between 200 and 400 employees, right? When you guys ended up right selling? Around, right around 200. Okay, so I'm wondering, like, how do you understand the metrics that you're gonna look at for a decision like that to sell a massive company that you've built up over decades? I'm just wondering yeah. what the factors are. Yeah, so it's so I love it because you're going right to a piece of content in this book. So again, an entrepreneur leap, I write the book in three parts, okay? It's called Confirm, Glimpse, and Path. And what we just talked about is confirm, where that's where you confirm that you have the six essential traits, where you are on the range. Um, do, you know, did you score 90 or higher? 
glimpse, what I do in glimpse is show you the life. Once you are one, then I show you the life, countless stories. I help you avoid the eight critical mistakes. And then I teach something, a tool I created called My Biz Match. Okay. And so what I'm trying to do with glimpse is help you see the future as a potential entrepreneur before it happens because you'll make better decisions. And what My Biz Match does is it tells you the perfect business for you, industry type and size. And what I already know about myself with all of my experience is I don't want to have a company bigger than 50 to 100 people. So, so 200 is too big for me. I need to personally touch and feel and see all the people. I, I'm that kind of a person. That company now has 500 people now, three years after I sold it. It's growing as fast as it was growing when I was building it. It's just not fun to me at that size. So I know that about myself. Every entrepreneur is different. Some entrepreneurs should never have more than three employees, and some should have 300,000 employees. We are all so different. And so the whole idea is it's a journey of self-discovery, a psychological, philosophical journey to self-discover you and what you're meant to build. And at the end of the day, if it's a $4 million, 40-person heating and cooling company that throws off a 20% profit, Amen and hallelujah. And by the way, it's going to be hard as hell to build that. So, so there's no shame in that. And what the media is teaching us is if you're not building a billion dollar tech unicorn, you're worthless. It's, 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 it's a travesty. So we are all unique and different. And the more you know yourself, here we go again, and know what you're, what you want to build, what you're built to build. Amen and hallelujah. No, no, that's awesome. There, there's nothing even to expand on that. It's just this is spot on right with that. I, I am wondering, one of the things you seem to do extremely well is obviously you're a visionary, but you understand to see broad patterns way before anyone else. And I'm always intrigued by pattern matchers and pi- pattern spotters. Is that something you were born with or is that something, a skill you've cultivated over time? I think it's 100% born with, you know, so there's a there's a profiling tool called Colby and I'm not going to teach Colby, K-O-L-B-E very powerful, simple tool that shows you where you put your energy in four areas. And I just happen to have a Colby with my level of fact finder and my level of quick start that helps me see patterns and trends. And so Kathy Colby, the creator of that tool, you know, she has the same Colby as me and she talks about, you know, how she's able to see patterns and trends. So people with this this particular Colby. So so I just have this, it's it's freaky, but but when I see a bunch of data points, enough times, I just see patterns and trends really fast. You know, so I created EOS, the entrepreneurial operating system out of working with my clients for five years, 500 sessions, 50 companies. And with all of those reps that I got in, and this is not thin slicing, this is not the 10,000 hours. This is not what I'm talking about here. It's just my gift that I fortunately have. I just see it so quickly. And that's how I created the six key components that every business needs to strengthen because I saw that the, the hundreds and hundreds of issues they were sharing with me and facing and we were solving, they all came back to six root issues. And so that is, and so that's where the 10 disciplines come from. That's where the six essential traits. So working with thousands of entrepreneurs, you know, now 20 years in and 2000 sessions and thousands of entrepreneurs, these six essential traits is just so obvious to me now. In other words, you couldn't beat this belief out of me. So it, I believe it's a gift. I believe I was born with it. Uh, hopefully it can be taught, but nobody taught it to me. It's not like I went to Pattern and Trend Institute. It's not like I had a Pattern and Trend mentor. So I think it's a gift. We all have gifts. What is the actual evolution 
of that process? Like you mentioned sitting down with tons of companies, tons of entrepreneurs. Is, is there an actual evolution for this? Like do, there, you, do you sit there, down, map it out, or is it just one second you get an aha moment? There's, it's, it's, it's really interesting because it's also what's important to know is I have OCD and ADD. Okay, so please understand these gifts are curses as much as they are blessings. So for me, it's this process of silence, for lack of a better term. Okay, and so what, what it is is I, I spent 20 years – two hours every week in a Starbucks. So Starbucks is my sacred place where I go sit there. And while it's absolute chaos around me, it's like the perfect OCD, ADD environment where I am so hyper-focused. It's scary. And I work from a legal pad. And so I sit there with my legal pad and my pen. And so even this model, I talk about the six key components, it came to me in a Starbucks. And so it's this very thoughtful, contemplative time that I have with myself. And I'm just, I'm writing, I'm constantly writing and illustrating and models. And, and so it's it's an iterative process. So it's not like, boom, one day there was a model. You should have seen what this model looked like in year two. It was this clunky, the clunkiest, messiest thing you've ever seen. And then what I do is I teach it to people and I teach it over and over and I have them poke holes in it and they tell me what's wrong with it. So it's just this iterative process where you know, these things are certainly discovered. They come to me. I hone and refine them. So it's it's a ton of reps, man. It is. It's it, and that's the OCD. It is. It is not sane. The effort and energy I put into creating things, but I love it. I mean, I just I I I love it. <laughs> I can't say it strongly enough. Can, can you actually talk about that iterative process for you and your company? Because it wasn't just an overnight success. Like it took years and years and years to build that. And I'm wondering what that's like in the trenches during those times when when you think you're onto something and then you know what? Maybe it's not working. You got to iterate. What is that process like over multiple? multiple years and multiple decades. Yeah, well, so here's the best way, one of the best ways to say it I can think of, because it's it's a really hard thing to describe, but I, if anything, I hope that your audience is hearing that it is hard work. In other words, if you're going to build a company, you've got to be obsessed. Um, but there's a way to do it balanced, but in the time that you're working, you've got to be obsessed. And so for me, the best way to describe this is in creating the EOS process, okay, which is which is basically EOS <clears throat> is a process, a set of tools, and a model. And then so we help a company implement that system in their business, entrepreneurial operating system. And so it's a system for operating their business, harmoniously orchestrating all that human energy. And again, if you want to see everything I've created and I'm working on, go to genowickman.com. That's the epicenter of everything, even though we're talking about entrepreneurially, mostly here, but but using that as the example, like I said, five years, 500 sessions, 50 clients, I probably tested, honed, refined 200 different tools, ideas, concepts, thoughts, and I called it pulling levers, you know, so I, I lovingly call it pulling levers. And so if you think of like a uh, 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 science and animals, and you know, the every time the monkey pulls the lever, a banana pops out, and it learns that oh, when you pull that lever, it's a good thing. Well, as crude as that sounds, as I'm creating this, I'm testing all this stuff on clients, and when I they give me their problem that I've now heard for the hundredth time, and I give them a tool to solve it, they either smile because it worked, or they frown because it didn't work. And the tools that just didn't work every time, 100% of the time, I threw them out. And the ones that absolutely did work, I kept. So at the end of the day, there are 20 tools in the EOS process. That's it. We teach every client 
20 tools, they embed them in their organization. I could have taught them 200 tools, but I believe in a very simplistic 2080 approach to the world. Just teach the world the 20% that gets 80% of the results. And you that's the highest return on time invested. So, so that's the best way I can describe it is I just kept testing, honing, trying, refining, practicing on real people on my target market. And when they smiled every time, made more money, ran better businesses, felt in more control, lived their ideal lives, then that tool works. That was a keeper. Does that make any sense? No, 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 it does. And I'll, I'll toot your own horn here for a second. So uh, your book, Traction, is actually one of the books I've been gifted the most. So it, it's people who own businesses. There's a, there's a few in that 10 to 15 range, also a few that have plus 100. And they've all gifted this book. And they're like, yeah, this was transformational for us. So yeah, it, it's very impactful, um, the companies that do implement it. I, I am really intrigued. You mentioned that 80-20 that and putting the highest return on your time. You're talking about spending two hours a week in Starbucks for the last 20 years, meaning you put considerable thought into the amount of time you're spending there. Please elaborate and explain what what that does for you, those two hours each week. Yeah. And by the way, that is the best two hours of the week. So in the highest gain and the most productive. So the best way I can describe it, and again, I'm going to keep touching on the 10 disciplines uh, and if you're curious about that, that's the10disciplines.com, the number 10. These are these bread breadcrumbs that I leave and ultimately realize these 10 disciplines that I live by to manage and maximize my energy. So um, this is another one of those 10 disciplines, and it's called Be Still. Okay, and so there's power we are racehorses, as I already talked about. And the whole idea is to help you live your optimal life. And one of the ways to do that is to stop at intervals because we run so hard. We need to stop at intervals and let our soul catch up. Okay. And so when we stop and sit in silence for 30 minutes, I like two hours, again, of what I call my clarity break, Starbucks time, this thinking time to contemplate. I literally get to stop, tune out the chaos, bring myself down to the ground and let my soul catch up. And I gain such clarity because then everything that's going on comes so clear. The biggest issues are before me, clarity around the solutions to those issues, my priorities. And so, you know, I'm a big believer in meditation, again, or prayer or contemplation or journaling, whatever you call it for you and whatever you do, but it's stopping the chaos at intervals, just taking a deep breath. Again, when I'm in Starbucks, it's always on a legal pad and I'm writing. The world is clear and I come out of that a better person, a more productive person, a clearer person, a more calm person. I am a better leader for everyone in my life as of taking those two hours. Uh, yeah, I follow a very same similar uh, path in, in terms of just getting stillness, clarity, allowing that mind to really explore some of the things that's been going on. Um, that has been extremely, extremely helpful. You mentioned that that birthday party that your wife threw for you, the surprise birthday. That was like one of those aha moments in terms of knowing yourself. What were the aha moments in your entrepreneurial journey? I mean, I know you've been through some serious hardships. Any that you were like, you know what? That was so difficult, but because of that, I am such a better entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, there's a bunch of them. <laughs> you know, so so one is, you know, I've been broke three times. I was broke at 21, I was broke at 25, and I was broke at 32. And 
My goal in my 20s, I wanted to be a millionaire by the time I was 30. I achieved it by the time I was 31, and then I lost everything. And so the first lesson was, when you set a goal to become a millionaire, include in the goal to keep the millions. <laughs> so I got the I got the goal done, but I forgot the second part of it. So, but but a lot is learned when you lose everything. And so there I was with a five year old and an eight year old. I was literally I went from a millionaire to two hundred thousand dollars in debt. That was brutal. Um, so so you learn a lot. And what I learned about that though is I have become a very conservative saver. Okay, I was a great saver all through my twenties. I was a money machine in my twenties. I made great money, but this the the ninety nine percent of the world does not get the definition of financial independence, and so us racehorses we start making good money and we think we're financially set because money's coming in. That's not that's not financial independence. So you know financial independence is you have enough money socked away somewhere. The interest is paying your lifestyle. Okay, and so if you want to have a hundred thousand dollar year lifestyle, you need two million bucks sitting in an account somewhere throwing you five percent. People don't get that. So that that's what I learned. And at that at 32, sitting there, borderline collapsing in my kitchen um, with my wife, I said, enough. I, I was such a risk taker. So I took a very conservative approach and saved at least 10%. I was probably saving upwards of 30 to 40% of my income at, at, at certain points. So that was the first big lesson. But then I also applied it to my business because I'm also, you know, teaching the world always have six months cash flow sitting in an account, both your personal account, business account, to survive no revenue coming in, no income coming in for six months, there's a calm and a peace that comes over you. Um, Real quick with with going broke, I mean, I feel like your true colors and stripes were shown there. Like after after going broke the second time, it's not, you know what, entrepreneurship is not for me. And then the third to like, like talk, talk me through what's going on in Gino's head during this time. Yeah. Um, well, it sucks. I, the, the first two times, I just thought that's how it worked. You know, it's I, I was around so many people that went broke. It was almost like um, so it, it, it seemed like just kind of a natural course of things. The third time was the really tough one when I realized I have an issue. I mean, this is this is not just a coincidence at this point. This is like DNA. And I have got to rewire. I had to rewire my brain because that is what I knew. I don't know if I'm answering your question, but but I, I just keep going. Was, I don't even care. I don't even care. <laughs> right, exactly. It was just so excruciatingly painful. And I and and I, listen, I was a golden boy in my 20s, man. I you know everything I touched turned to gold. I was a pretty sharp kid, pretty smart. Turned around a business, did a lot of great stuff, made a lot of money, but none of that mattered. I mean, it's like I just it's like all clicked where you know I I have a problem. <laughs> So I just became very conservative. I, you know, so I don't know if I'm answering your question, but that that's what goes on there. But nonetheless, you know, what's crazy is I started this business, EOS Worldwide, creating EOS. Ultimately, the book I wrote in Traction, ironically, I started that business. I was one year in when the bottom fell out. So I had a nice little nest egg when I started that business. I lost everything, but yet I still stayed fully committed that I was going to turn this into a business. Although I did put a stake in the ground with my wife where I said, if I cannot cover our lifestyle by this date, I'll go try something else. But I failure was not going to be an option. And I just, I, I'm a hard worker and I'm a pretty good earner, thank God. So that I just went to work and worked my way out and built what I believed I could build. Was that inner conviction? Is that something, once again, you've had your entire life? 
or I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm just thinking of like time number three. It's like that, that yeah, prediction has got to be questioned. Right. But let's go right. You got that right. <laughs> but, but let's go back to the six essential traits and one is driven. Yeah. And the fact that these can't be taught, I am just a very driven person. Listen, it, it is a blessing and a curse. Okay. It is a curse to be this driven. I wish I knew what contentment felt like. I heard it's really nice. Uh, and I'd like to visit it sometime, but I, I'm just, I'm just driven. I, I, you know, when I sold the business, you know, everybody thinks I'd be retiring and riding off to the sunset, you know, three years ago when I did that, I, there's, there's so much to accomplish in this world. There's so much to do. There's so many people to help. I just, I love it, but I do take a lot of time off, you know, so let's get to another discipline. Take time off. I take 160 days off a year at this point in my life through that whole hellacious story I shared with you. For 21 years, I've taken the month of August off every year. I take a one-month sabbatical. So I'm fanatical about the balance. But man, when I am working, it is intense. I work 40 weeks a year, 55 hours a week, and I am so I, I maximize every second of those 55 hours. It is intense as hell but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah, that oscillatory nature of life is really important, stress recovery. I have to imagine a lot of people's ears perked up when you said you take 160 days off per year. What do you do well as a leader of the companies that you operate in order to be able to take that time off and let that business continue to thrive? Surround yourself with great people. It's a simple formula. Read traction and apply everything that's in that book. How about that? (laughs) There's your answer. Build, Build a great leadership team. Build a great leadership team. And you will be able to take whichever month you choose off every year. Thinking about leadership, I'm thinking about like how how leaders develop. I know we've talked a lot about that. For you, how do you approach just your personal development? You you seem like you really are intentional and cultivate the right practices. How do you approach that personal development? Um, Boy, I don't know if it's that methodical, but I have this thing that I've been saying for 22 years that – I want to get closer to my soul, closer to my soul. And so, so in my mind, it's like this in here somewhere is this perfect ball of energy that is my soul. And it wants to fully live 100% it. And I don't know what percentage, like I said, I am to where that is. But for 22 years, I seek things that help me shed layers of whatever I did to myself to when I was 32, realize I built a concrete three-foot wall around me to protect me from the world. Um, And so I do things that chip away at that and get me closer to my soul. And so I just, that's the awareness. And I just do lots of different stuff. I have two friends. We go to Boulder, Colorado every year in May. And our goal is to find some amazing experience that makes us shed a little, cry a little, get a little closer to our soul. So I'm just always hyper aware of what's going to help me be more me. And it's all kinds of stuff. Sometimes it's something very practical and businessy, and sometimes it's very emotional and intangible. I'm thinking about that whole seek to shed. It's almost like your sale of the company three years ago, you were shedding that part to allow your next best self to shine through there. (laughs) Is that the evolution here? Yeah. And again, and I'll try to say this quickly, but, you know, let's go back to the 10 disciplines, you know, so once you figure out your work container, okay. And in that work container is the amount of time you're going to work. So for me, again, like I said, I work 40 weeks a year, 55 hours a week. 
And anytime the job becomes one minute more than that, I delegate that off. I, I will not sacrifice that. And so I have made a big delegation every quarter of my life for 25 years running. And my income has 25X as a result of it. And so when I sold the company, that was a delegation. I had to delegate an entire company to free up my energy and my creativity. That weight was becoming too heavy and was not fully letting me be fully me. So I delegated a company uh, in that particular quarter. But every quarter, I delegate something off to get me closer to fully being my craft, my value, who I am to the world. Hopefully that made sense. No, 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 it does. I have to imagine you've become one hell of a delegator uh, oh, yeah. with, with with four big ones a year. You're delegating around 80 over your, I, your lifespan here. I, <laughs> I, you know, you, so, so people that struggle with this, they get, you know, insecure, heebie-jeebies, freak out. I, I love to delegate. Delegating is like heaven to me. <laughs> heaven. That's awesome. One of the things I'm really intrigued by is for a lot of young entrepreneurs, one of the biggest questions or the most frequent questions I receive is around mentorship. Now, I know your father's even written a book on mentors and mentorship. I am wondering how you've approached that in your own life and then any just overall advice you can give to to someone younger in their entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, well, so for me, I was blessed in my 20s with two amazing mentors. My dad, my dad is my greatest mentor. Um, And then a gentleman by the name of Sam Cup who actually my dad introduced me to. So I kind of got lucky. You know, my first mentor was right there in my house. And then my second mentor was introduced by my dad. But but I, I am a very strong proponent of finding a mentor, a person who want who's willing to take you under their wing and leave a legacy. Okay. And so in this entrepreneurially passion project and book, I teach a five-step mentoring track. And so if you go to that website, e-leap.com, you'll find that tool. And so for anyone out there that loves to mentor people and wants to mentor entrepreneurs, click on that. But for anyone that wants a mentor, click on that so you understand that. You'll be a better protege for your mentor. But what I urge is look out 10 years and think about the person you want to be or the business you want to build and go find somebody who is where you want to be. You're going to have to ask 20 people before you get a yes. But I believe that mentoring relationship is the best type of mentoring relationship. The good news is when I was 20, that was the only source of mentorship. Now we have YouTube and masterminds and so many vehicles, podcasts to get mentored without a physical mentor. You can still pull this off. I write an an entire chapter in the book on mentoring. I walk you through the process for how to do it, but I think it's vital. And so for me, I have just always found mentors along the journey, and it was always looking for somebody who is where I want to be and attaching myself to them, however the hell I could do that. You know, I like literally in my 20s, I would have worked for somebody for free for a year if I knew it was somebody who wants to leave me their legacy, teach me everything they know, because a great mentor, that's what they want to do. They want to impart their wisdom on people that will carry that legacy forward. And all of my mentors can count on me for that. And I will always acknowledge them for all the impact of my life. Yeah, one of those invaluable pieces of advice, it makes me think of uh, Nick Kakonis, who we've had on a few times. He's an investor, entrepreneur, legendary restaurateur. And uh, to start his career off, he actually went to a legendary investor and said, I will pay you if I can come work for you because the knowledge I'm going to receive from you is invaluable to me at this stage of my career. I usually ask the question, if you could do this long-form conversation, sit down with anyone dead or alive, but I would love to know if you could have a mentor, anyone dead or alive, who would you love to shadow for a year? You know, the one, 
So mentor is an interesting word. Um, so, so allow me a little bit longer answer here, but I, I'll come. I'll, I'll land this plane relatively quickly because there's, this is a two-part answer for me because you know my mind immediately goes to God. If I could spend a year with Henry Ford, Walt Disney, or Steve Jobs, holy crap, that would be incredible. But but then for some reason, Abraham Lincoln is like the like embodiment of if I could really spend time with someone, but Abraham Lincoln and George Washington are a coin toss for me. So, so I think because George Washington was an incredible entrepreneur, incredible entrepreneur. So they're a coin toss for me, but at the end of the day, if there were anyone on the planet, it's one of those two. Um, because I think those two are probably two of the greatest leaders of all time. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned mastermind groups a minute ago, and you just mentioned Henry Ford. I'm about a half mile from uh, Henry Ford, Harry Firestone, and uh, Thomas Edison's winter homes. And so they used to just literally spend months together. And I'm thinking, what were the conversations like of three titans of industry literally just kind of shooting the shit, spending months together every single year? Oh. I, I, if I could have been a fly on the wall for that, I would oh. love it. But you know, we, we've hit on so much here. Like I mentioned, I mean, your work, your books have really been impactful, not just for for me though, some people who are mentors to me in my life and have gotten tremendous value from it. So I want to know, uh, wh where should we send the listeners, right? Like there's a lot of people who are like, wow, like I, I want to know first off if I'm an entrepreneur and then second, there's those people that are like, you know what? I am an entrepreneur. Gino can help me get there further. Where should yeah. we direct them? Where do you want them yeah, going? Yeah, we covered so much ground and we had all the content. I, I, I always love to give one answer. Unfortunately, I have to give three. So if your audience, no, please will, do please bear with me on this. Um, so first of all, let's talk about Entrepreneurial Leap and this book that I've written, this passion project to help anyone who thinks they're an entrepreneur become an entrepreneur. So e-leap.com is the epicenter of all things Entrepreneurial Leap. Please go there. Lots of free tools, ton of content. We put a video out every week, an article out every other week. And, and I would also like to add for anyone out there that loves and wants to teach and help entrepreneurs in the making hit the collaborator button and become a collaborator. Because what we do is we join forces with collaborators that want to teach this content. We give it to them for free, total open source abundance base, and you get to teach this content to the world for free. So e-leap.com. The second thing is for everything you've heard us talk about, if you can't figure out where to start, just go to genowickman.com for everything I'm working on, all the content I've created. That's kind of the epicenter of everything I've done. And then the last thing I would say, if you're if this these 10 disciplines for managing and maximizing your energy have intrigued you, um, go to The 10 Disciplines. It's the number 10. Um, and we're going to be launching something really cool there soon. Um, but that's ultimately all the pieces come together with 10 Disciplines. And that's where we want to help people truly live their optimal life. And we're going to be doing some really interesting things there. Awesome. I'm looking forward to that. Well, as always, all of that will be linked up in the show notes. But Gino Wickman, I cannot thank you enough for joining us on What Got You There. Sean, had a blast. You guys made it to the end of another episode of What Got You There. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I really do appreciate you taking the time to listen all the way through. If you found value in this, the best way you can support the show is giving us a review, rating it, sharing it with your friends, and also sharing on social. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Looking forward to you guys listening to another episode.